Today I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. If you've ever felt like I've stepped on your toes, today's the day. Because I want to talk to you about how's your relationships. How is the health of the relationships that you interact with both at church and in your home? How are your relationships with people that you do business with or you work alongside? Because where we go in today's message, where we go in Scripture today, Paul, the one that's been writing this letter that we've been exploring together, he's going to challenge us with this idea that the health of your relationships horizontally is deeply tied to your relationship vertically with God. We are talking about what it means to be rooted, rooted into the person, the mission, the ministry, and the message of who Jesus is. And all through this series, we've been looking at ways that we need to find ourselves rooted in the truth about who Jesus is because we live in a world today that has numerous competing philosophies. Numerous competing approaches to how life should be done. And you do not have to go far. You talk to somebody that you work with. You talk to another student in a school that you're with. You get on the internet and suddenly all these different approaches to life are right there. And everyone's claiming we've got the secret. And yet, with so much information available to us these days, it seems like, it at least feels like, our relationships are more fractured than ever before. It seems like we have to work a lot harder at relationships. And there seems to be anything other than peace in the world. And so today, Paul is writing to a church that wants them rooted in something. Because Paul doesn't want people just to come to Jesus. He wants people to grow up in Jesus. He wants people to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And so he's going to talk to us today about the peace of Christ, the peace that Jesus offers. And it has everything to do with our relationships. So if you're following along, I hope you have your scripture journals. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today, and I'm actually going to begin in a passage that we preached last week. There was enough there to want to go back and glean some things from it. If you haven't heard last week's message, I encourage you to do that. I had a tremendous amount of you come up and talk to me in appreciation for what Colossians is saying, for what the message was last week. I'm going to encourage you to do that. So we're going to walk back through part of that again, and then we're going to add all the way up to 4.1 in it. So I'm going to do two, two parts today. So if you've got your scripture journal, we're going to be on page 14. If you want to open an app, I'm going to read all the way through this and we'll work our way back through it. I'm going to read 14, I mean 12 through 17. Paul's writing this church. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I want to go back to verse 14. Because here's what Paul says in verse 14. Look at it with me. And this is where I encourage you to write in these journals, write in your Bible. And above all these, put on love. Now, we talked a lot about the things that Paul tells us to put on and take off. And there's some old habits, some old parts of ourselves that we're instructed to take off. That's what we covered last week. But of all the things that he lists to put on, notice how he says, above all of these, put on love. And then he has this line in verse 15, and this is the other one that I want you to circle or highlight. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, if we were to get real honest, which I know seems kind of weird in church, but if we were to, and real vulnerable and transparent, how many of us would say, yes, I'm experiencing the peace of Christ that Paul's talking about? How many of us are walking around without, with relationships that are not just fractured and broken and tension-filled and struggle and it's just be awkward and, oh my gosh, the holidays are coming up. What are we going to do? How are we going to navigate this? And so what Paul is telling us is he says, you need to let love rule the day. Above everything else, if you're going to be rooted in Christ, I want you to put on the love. And then, through that strategy, you will have peace. You will have this peace that can rule your hearts, even when it seems like the world around us is falling apart. And he's going to, do, he's going to talk about two different areas. He's going to actually talk about inside the church first. And then he's going to talk about outside the church and all of our other relationships. If you may want to think about this way, he's going to talk about in church and in our homes and our households. And so look, what, look at the instructions he gives us. I'm going to back up to the very beginning. This is all for in the church. Put on then, I'm back in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones. And now he's about to describe the people that make up the church. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. It says, put on love, and this is what you look like when you put on love. He says, these are the qualities and these are the characteristics of it. And what Paul is going to call this church to, and is going to call us to, is based on the new commandment that Jesus gives. This is where Paul is rooting all of his theology, 
all of his call to be rooted. And what Paul is calling back to, though he doesn't specifically cite it, he's calling back to John chapter 13. And in the context of John chapter 13, you have Jesus is with his disciples. They're sharing in what we call the Last Supper together. He is hours from going to the cross. And so when you know that the end is near, you focus in on that which is absolutely most important. And so he begins to pour into them, and he says these incredible words to them. I want you to see John 13, verse 34. If you just want to write the reference down right now, you can pick it up later. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now, don't lose sight of the scene. Jesus is sitting around with a group of men that are trying to be faithful Jewish men. And so they believe wholeheartedly in the fact that when God spoke, His word is authoritative. And now here's Jesus sitting in front of them and says, I want to add, I'm going to give you a new commandment. To which they should say, "Um, Jesus, we're not sure you should do that. You'd be like, hey, let's just add another verse to the Star Spangled Banner. Well, I don't know that you get to do that. You know, let's just add five more thanks to the Constitution. I don't know that you get to do that. But that's what he's saying. I want to, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And what he gives is a commandment that if you follow this commandment, all the others fall in place. All the commandments rise on this one. Here's what I want you to do. It's not complicated, but it's difficult to follow. I want you to love one another. And your standard for that, your standard for loving one another, is as I have loved you. And so Paul is digging into this idea, and he's instructing this church to live this way. And when you live this way, Peace is possible in this life. So if you want a way to remember it, I know this is corny, but here we go. When love is the root, peace is the fruit. But you won't forget it, will you? When you root deep into the love that Jesus is calling you to, your life will begin to produce a fruit that the rest of the world will look at and say, I'm not sure what's going on there, but that's peace and people around you will hunger for it because it's not everywhere so Paul calls this church and he says I want you to put on these things I want you to be holy and beloved and compassionate in hearts um, with kindness humility meekness and patience and does this describe most of our churches and unfortunately, it doesn't. I was a young ministry intern at a completely different church many, many years ago. And sat in on a leadership meeting where I watched a preacher, a guy that does what I do. 
and an elder shepherd in the context of this meeting begin to yell at each other. And the intensity grew and the volume grew and we were getting nowhere until finally the shepherd walks out of the room and never steps back on the campus again. And some of you have your own horror stories. You've, you've been at a church and you've watched a church split or a church fight. And you know the pain of that. You, you know how, how that leaves a scar. Years ago, I, I remember a church that was in tension and they were talking about fighting. They came together for a meeting and finally a wise old gentleman of the church stood up and said, Gentlemen, beloved brothers and sisters, if we go through with this split. And he had his young granddaughter. And he picked her up and said, if we go through this split, her children will still feel the consequences. Because it runs so deep. This is why Paul is saying, saying, if you want to have peace, then there's a certain way you live. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Love each other as Jesus has loved you. And so if we're to be a rooted church, and we're going to put this into practice, I would have you write this down. A rooted church is full of people who love Jesus. It's full of people who love like Jesus. Now, I, I'm going to tell you my theory. My theory is if we were a church of people that loved like Jesus, and we were all in on that, without exception, then it doesn't matter about worship style. It doesn't matter about song selection. It doesn't matter whether we're in pews or chairs, circles or rows. It doesn't matter what the lights are doing. It doesn't matter all of those other stuff. Pale in comparison to a church that is loving people like Jesus loved people. Because there would be something there that would be so evident and tangible that people would say, I don't know what it is, but I want that in my life. When churches fight, people that don't yet follow Jesus or don't yet on board, maybe this describes you and you may have been somebody that walked through and saw enough church fights where you're like, I don't get it. How is this any better in my life right now? They, they, they can look at the church and say, I, I've got enough tension and anxiety and struggles and frustrations and battles in my life. Why do I need to show up at church and just add your mess to mine? A rooted church is full of people who love like Jesus loves. This, this is why when we gather on November 20th with the Avenue G Church, we're making a theological statement. We're trying to reverse the negative effect of a small child growing up with the implications of a church split. We're trying to rewrite history that says, no, here's what it looks like when churches come together. Here's what it looks like when churches worship together. This is why we are praying that God would bless us to be a diverse church. 
a church where there are no walls and boundaries that keep us divided. A rooted church is full of people who love like Jesus. He goes on. He now shifts, in his second baptism, he shifts from the church arena into the household arena. And he says this, and we're going to walk through it. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Paul is writing into a very structured part of the Roman society. And the household would have followed very rule, very structured rules. And what Paul is saying is very subversive to that structure. And he begins, and, and it's really funny because we've got all kinds of problems with some of this language now. We think it seems very confining now. When we're saying, wives, submit to your husbands, he's writing into a situation where that would have been expected already. But what he's encouraging them to do is say, come under your husband and be the one that supports and encourages him. Because there's a call on his life as well now. And he says to the husbands, husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Now, to some of us that seems like pretty low-level, low-hanging fruit, right? But understand, in that society, that was asking for something completely different. Because what Paul is saying here is, I want husbands and wives to be mutually submissive to each other. In fact, that's exactly what he says in Ephesians 5.20. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul is consistent all across his writing. It is the verse that I will read often when I do a wedding. Did a wedding yesterday. I read this verse. And when Paul writes that, he begins by saying, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes on and tells, husband, or Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wife. And then he goes on with this big, long statement and a big, long paragraph that says, As Christ loved the church. And he begins to unpack what that means. And so what Paul is calling for in this very simple sentence is this. Love your wife as Jesus loves her. It seems that in our world today, Christian marriage in some circles gets a real bad rap. Gets a real bad, it seems old-fashioned. It seems out of touch with reality. I, I would suggest to you that a Christian marriage where it is a mutual submission competition would be the marriage that anyone would desire to have. Anyone would seek to have. So I would say this, a rooted marriage is two people submitting to each other and to Christ. That's what Paul's saying when you're rooted in Christ, this is how you now shall live. It's a submission competition between two people. I've told you before, I deal with lots of people in my ministry and their marriages 
are struggling and they're in pain. And I've never had two of them come in and say, our problem is we just keep submitting to each other. We just keep putting the other one first and it's killing us. She takes care of my every need and I'm tired of it. Said no man ever. He puts me first all the time. And I'm just frustrated. See how ridiculous it sounds? But this is, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your life and this is how it comes to fruition. He talks about children. I love his verse here where he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And I want to add, and it does worlds for your parents too. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Again, he's riding into a structure where the dad would come home and he just ruled the house with an iron fist. It did not matter. And Paul is saying, you submit to one another, you honor one another. And so it's not about the rules anymore. A rooted parenting. So here's Paul's parenting tips. Rooted parenting is not about you hammering all the rules. About you honoring your children. Rooted parents put relationship first. Now there's a place for rules. Paul's not arguing that there's not. But he says if you're going to love like Jesus loves and you're going to parent the way that Jesus would parent, then the relationship has to come first. You want to raise your children. Here's parenting tip for free. You want to raise your children in such a way that they want to be with you someday when they don't have to be with you someday. Make sense? When they get the choice, you want to have a relationship with them. That is the story of the prodigal son. That the father waited and waited and waited on the front porch waiting for his child to come home. Because he wanted him to want to be with him. And he did. He goes on. Now he gets into a language that has more to do with employee and employer. But he uses the word about bond servants. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, simply meaning to be pleased or seen, as a people pleaser, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. He, he's talking about these opportunities where you go to work or where you go to school. And then this arena that kind of begins to expand outside the home. How you interact with the world, how you interact with those that either owe you something or you owe something to them, that's a testimony that, that communicates this to the culture. Remember, Paul is writing a church that may not be any bigger than 40 people. It may not even be that big. And they sit in the shadow of the Roman Empire. 
This does not seem like equal odds. And yet he is saying if you will be rooted in who Jesus is, you can make an impact wherever you are. And so he is encouraging them with this powerful line that says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive your inheritance as reward. See, wherever you go to work, whether it's an office, a service call, a garage, whatever, wherever that is for you, don't make the mistake that you're working for your boss. Rooted people see themselves as working for Jesus. And whether or not you've got the title of leadership, what Paul is saying is that you've got an influence. You've got, he kind of looks like he has no clue what he's doing, and she kind of scolds him, but she encourages him, and she gets him going. And then what he watches is as she comes in, or as the customers come in, she calls them by name. Morning, Nick. How are you doing? How's the family? How's the kids? Morning, Betty. How's it going? And she starts giving them a hard time. And she's kidding with them and laughing with them. And so when they're doing the interview afterwards, and they've had the big reveal, Joe DePinto says this. He says, there's a reason we're selling that much coffee at that location. He says, it's not because the coffee's any better. It's because they're coming to buy it from Dolores. So here's a shift worker that made an impact in the world to where people were drawn into a 7-Eleven because she loved them and served them. How much more powerful and critical can it be for us as the church that can introduce people into Jesus by loving and serving And if we'll be rooted in that, peace will be evident around. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for words that are just so practical in how we should live out our relationship. Father, I want to pray for anyone here right now that's hearing this message that is struggling or maybe hurting because their relationships are conflicted right now. Father, this message is not one of judgment on somebody. Paul's words are not to bring shame, but to bring hope. So Father, would you help us see How when we begin to love others as you have loved us, that peace comes to fruition. Peace comes to the forefront. And Father, whatever it is that we need to do, if we need to have a phone call, a conversation, if we need to send a text message, if we need to get in our cars and drive across town, whatever it is, Father, that we would be different because of this. Father, I pray that you would help us as we show up in our places of business that we would be different because of this. And that we would be an illustration to the world of what it means to be rooted in Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.